Good to see all of you. I'm going to talk to you about something today that maybe rarely you experience. It's called temptation. Do you know that Jesus is fully aware of when you and I are tempted? And the Bible says that he's able not only to be aware, but to empathize, to sympathize, and to step into our struggle and help us. And it's so important that we as believers know how to deal with temptation because it's going to come at us. We're living in a very depraved, degenerate culture now. Can I have an amen? amen. Very depraved, very confused, very degenerate, very perverse. And so we're supposed to shine as lights in the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be different, distinct, set apart, and bringing the message of the gospel into that dark culture. Well, it's not going to happen if we're constantly defeated by temptation. So today, I'm going to look at, I'm going to begin a series that I'm calling The Temptations of Jesus. Because our Lord was tempted in all points like we are. Can you believe that? What have you been tempted to do? Jesus experienced at least a temptation in the same family. Jesus did. Now, I'm going to take four weeks on this because he experienced three temptations uh, that the Holy Spirit led the gospel writers to record. And we're going to see that all three of those temptations, um, all of them, universally apply to us. And I'm going to show you how they apply to us. But today, I'm just going to talk to you about the anatomy of a temptation. What is a temptation? How does it come at us? So let's read Matthew 4, verse 1. This is the beginning of Jesus being led into the wilderness. It says, Then Jesus was led by what, everybody? Spirit, Spirit of God. Into the wilderness to be tempted by who? Amen. Yep. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, boy, the Lord was strong. Our Lord was a strong carpenter guy. Right? Because 40 days and 40 nights, and he's still walking. And it says, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. Now, I'm going to cut the verse right there, because I want to just draw a picture, the beginning of the Lord's temptation. The tempter came to him to destroy him, to derail him, to abort his mission. So that we would not be saved. If the devil had won in this battle, we wouldn't be here today. But the devil lost, and he lost big. And he lost completely. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about just what a temptation looks like. And, and uh, just lay a foundation. And then we're going to go from there. Father, I just thank you. That you your word is light to our feet. It's a lamp to our path. It is spirit and it is truth. Lord, I pray that today your light will shine in us. Your word will come alive in us. That, Lord, we will have our eyes opened, our ears hearing, and our heart awakened by the word of God. And thank you for teaching us how to overcome the devil's temptations. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, perk up and listen. You're going to need this before you get home. <laughs> mm. Now, um, 
every temptation you and I will ever experience is going to fall in the category of one of the three temptations that Jesus went through, that he battled. And because he went through temptation without sin, he never sinned. Jesus never fell. He never had a fallen nature. He never needed to be born again because he was born pure and sinless and stayed that way. The Bible says we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. You don't have a God up there that is is off doing other things and doesn't really care about the temptations we face and the battles we go through. No, but he empathizes. That means it's stronger than sympathy. Empathy is he feels it with us. He feels it. He feels it when you hurt. He feels it when you're sorrowful. He feels it when you feel guilty. He he feels it when you're in the, the oven of temptation. He feels it. He empathizes. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are. But he didn't sin. Isn't that powerful? How have you been tempted this week? Because if your heart is beating, you've been tempted this week. How are you tempted this week? Jesus felt that. Jesus experienced that. He just never fell. He never succumbed. He never gave in. He defeated the devil. Thoroughly, fully, consummately whooped him. Amen? Now, in the next few weeks, I'm going to take those three temptations and, uh, that he battled, and I'm going to deal with them one at a time, because every one of them is so profound, and we've got to see the meaning why. We've got to see what the devil was after when he, in those three temptations. What was the devil after? What was he trying to do? And, there, and he has no new bag of tricks. Would he try with Jesus? He's going to try it with you and me. So in the next few weeks. But today, I'm going to lay a foundation on temptation and just take a look at temptation itself. What is it? What is temptation? How does it work? How does it work? Uh, who and what is behind it? And, and most of all, how to defeat it, how to win over temptation. The Lord does not want his people constantly defeated by temptation. He wants us in victory. I didn't say perfect, but I'm talking about riding the crest of the wave, not drowning. He wants us to win. Now, the first thing I want to point out about temptation is obvious, but here it is anyway. Everybody is going to face it. I heard a preacher a couple of weeks ago on TV. Well, not on TV. It actually was uh, YouTube. But he literally said, I'm not tempted anymore. And he said, I don't sin anymore. And I thought to myself, boy, are you in trouble? Hang on, buddy. (laughs) Because my Bible tells me if we confess our sins, and and we are going to mess up, we all mess up, we all fall short of the glory, that's why we need a Savior. And no, there's no such thing as sinless perfection. No, 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 no. Every day we must hang on to God, get into His Word, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and lean on Him to defeat temptation. But Paul said, no temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to mankind. Common. So temptation is common to mankind. It's common. 
You're going to experience it. I'm going to experience it. And we're going to experience it until we go to heaven. And glory to God in heaven, there's no more temptation. You know why? Because there's no more flesh. There's no more flesh and there's no more devil. In heaven, we will be temptation free. But until then, we've got a fight to win. The Apostle Paul went further to say, you're not immune to falling. Not a one of you are immune to falling. I'm not immune to falling. None of us are immune to it. He said, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. That's why I shudder when I heard this preacher say, I don't sin anymore. I'm not tempted anymore. Really? If you think you're standing strong, dude, be careful not to fall. So this is teaching us that we need to have a daily dependence. Jesus even taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me today from the evil one. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one and his traps and snares and schemes and pitfalls that he lays for me every day. Every day. Falling into the trap of temptation is the story of mankind. Most headlines you and I see any given day are the result of somebody falling into temptation of some kind. Adultery, stealing, lying, embezzling, some illicit drug, hurting somebody, assaulting them, murdering them. All of these and more routinely become somebody's story. And that's why we're so drawn to it. Because we see how they fell, and we know good and well, that could have been me. Our attitude is often, how could they do that? How stupid was that? You know, anytime you fall to a temptation, it's stupid. Eh? Amen? Boy, it's really quiet in here today. I must be treading... But I had to study this before preaching it to you. You think you feel convicted? Come on. But we say, I could never do that. I can't believe they did that. What were they thinking? You know what? They weren't. They were feeling. They were not thinking. The Living Bible puts it this way. So be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. So we'll all be tempted and any of us can fall. And that's the way you ought to face God every day. Lord, today, you're my strength. You're my power. You're my keeper. You're the upholder of my head. You're my strength today. Now, when you delve into the subject of temptation, you find the Bible makes a distinction between temptation and testing. And I want to just show you quickly the difference. Testing is when God tests your faith. Temptation is when you are tempted to sin. They are very different. Testing and temptation are not the same. And the entire first chapter of James is committed to showing the distinction between testing and temptation. It says, for instance, that Abraham's faith was tested by God. It says in Genesis 22, 1, later, God tested Abraham. 
and called to him, Abraham, yes, here I am, he answered. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. But God was not tempting him into sin. God was testing the depth of his obedience. Chances are the majority of Christians in here are having your faith tested as I speak. In some area of your life, God is allowing your faith to be tested. It drives you into the Word. It drives you into prayer. It it drives you to lean on the grace of God. It drives you to, to, to persevere and to endure through a tough time. But here's the good news. When you come out on the other side, your faith is stronger, more mature, more able to defeat the enemy in your life. It's like when, uh, say, Ford comes up with a new model for a, a new car. It's a brand new model, and they want to test it. They will take it under rigorous crash tests. Do they, why do they do it? They don't do it to destroy the model. They do it to find the weaknesses and make it stronger and better and safer and more efficient for you and me. They test it. God tests our faith. James 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you notice there, he says, there's a huge benefit to the testing of our faith. He says, count it all joy. Well, I don't feel like counting it all joy when my faith is being tested. I want it to end. But he said, learn to count it all joy. How can I count it all joy? Because of the end product. The end product is going to be stronger, better, more mature faith. He strengthens our faith. That's what God does. But then you come to temptation. And starting in verse 13, James wants us to know real clearly temptation to sin never comes from God. He said, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God can never be tempted by evil. He is oblivious. He is immune, totally immune to evil. And he will not tempt you or I to sin, ever. He will never tempt us. He doesn't do that to us. He tests our faith, but he never tempts us to sin. So never let the devil tell you, well, God has put this in front of you. If it's wrong. No, 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 no. Because God can't do that, won't do that anymore than I would tell my son as a little boy to run off onto I-35 and stand there. He would never do it. Amen. Well, then what is the real source and cause of temptation? Where does it come from? When we're tempted, and all of a sudden the emotion sweeps over us, and a a wrong impulse seems to grab us, and a thought comes into our mind to go do this, that, or the other, we know is wrong. Where does that come from? Well, the Bible says Satan is the great tempter. Remember our text, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, not by God, but by the devil. 
And the tempter came to him and tempted him. The devil's stock and trade is temptation. That's what he does. You want to know what the devil does? He doesn't play fair. He cheats. He schemes. He plots. He exploits. He's out to bring us down. He he tempts. He knows how to make evil look right. He's a master at sugarcoating sin. He paints sin to appear innocent, harmless, even reasonable. Do this. It makes sense. Do it. It makes sense, doesn't it? Eve, eat of the the tree. Because God knows that if you do, you're going to become like him. It's reasonable, Eve. But the tempter's temptations never come to help us. They always come to destroy us. Jesus said, you want to know if the devil's involved? The thief, the devil, comes only. Now, so that tells me he never approaches but what it's to steal, to kill, and destroy. He only, the devil comes only. The the thief comes only. If, If it's not to steal, kill, and destroy, he's not interested. He comes only to take you down, only to ruin your life, only to ruin your testimony, only to destroy. Only. Everybody say only. In the Greek, that means only. In his temptations, Satan never shows his hand. Have you ever noticed that? He never tells you the truth about it. He sugarcoats it. He's hiding his true intent, and he's hiding the consequences. He never shows his hand, never reveals his game plan. He never exposes the end, the reaping day, the regret, the guilt, the condemnation, the shame. He never reveals it. The devil minimizes consequences and maximizes the pleasure of it. Do you know that in every temptation there's a promise? If there wasn't a promise in it, you'd never do it. Neither would I. But in every temptation, there's a promise. If you do this, I'll, you will have peace. Uh, you'll have joy. You'll have fun. You'll be fulfilled. It'll help you cope. It's hell's sales pitch. Hell always has a sales pitch. And it keeps on working with people. Go ahead. You deserve a break today. Go ahead and do that. God understands. Go ahead. It's going to help you. There's always a promise. But he's a liar. He always lies. How do you know he's lying if he's talking? That's how you know the devil's lying. Because he can't talk without lying. Oh yeah, he'll give a half truth, but never the whole truth. He'll lie. He'll tell you a lie about what he's trying to coax you to do. Think about this. All the way back in the garden, the devil says to Eve, Hey, Eve, you're not going to die if you eat of that tree. No, 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 no. God just told you that because he's holding back from you. No, Eve, if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like God. You're going to have wisdom. Your mind is going to be expanded. He gave Eve a bunch of new age promises. 
And you, but, but, but then he ended it with, you want, you're not going to die? That's a lie. God lied to you. You're not going to die? But two chapters later, it says, Adam died. And all of his descendants, seven generations, are listed in chapter 5 of Genesis. They died too. So Satan lied and Adam died. Satan lied and the whole human race died. That's why you got to see through the lie. You got to know how to handle temptation. Now, right alongside the devil, there's another source of temptation that I got to mention, and that's the flesh. Now, I know you don't deal with your flesh very often, but I'm going to go here just for a minute. Now, when I say flesh, I don't mean when you're thirsty or hungry. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's sarks is the Greek word. It means that, that, that pull, that pull towards sin, that pull towards sin, that pull downward towards sin, the flesh that got you and me in all of our trouble, the flesh. That's what he's talking about. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So Satan exploits our own fleshly desires and weaknesses. He exploits them. He, he plays the strings of our flesh. He works for our flesh. Hate to break it to you, but you've got two natures inside of you, and I'm not telling you you're schizophrenic either. But there's two natures. If you're born again, you've got two natures in you. You've got the born-again nature, and, and the flesh is still there. And the Bible says the flesh battles the spirit, and the spirit battles the flesh in you and me. All the time. Jesus said the spirit is willing. Oh yeah, but your flesh is so weak. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. So the devil didn't make you do it. Generational curse didn't make you do it. Uh, the way you were raised didn't make you do it. No, we got to own up. When we mess up, we need to fess up that it was my flesh. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Don't make provision. Don't, don't give it a chance to manifest. John even identifies three gateways the flesh uses. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. What you hunger for, what you look at, and what appeals to your pride. Those are all strings the devil plucks to get into you and lure your flesh. We battle the flesh each and every day, don't we? How many of you have fought your flesh? Uh, I got to tell you, they brought me a, a raspberry donut back there before this second service I look at that thing it's glistening with glaze I know that if I take one bite it's full of raspberry jelly everything my flesh is going to rejoice over I looked at it I had to open up the top to get to it and I said Jeff don't open up the top because if you open up the top you're going to go for it I'm glad to say it's still back there I can't, I can't promise what will happen after church. <laughs> Amen. 
Yeah, and we kind of, all kinds of justifications for our flesh. I read of a man who was on a diet and he was struggling with his diet. And one day he had to go downtown as he started out. He remembered that his route would take him right by the donut shop. As he got closer, he thought, hey, maybe a cup of coffee would hit the spot. Maybe I should just pull in. Then he remembered his diet and he knew how weak he was. And that's when he prayed, Lord, if you want me to stop for a donut and coffee, let there be a parking place right in front of the shop. (laughs) You ever prayed that way? He said, sure enough, I found a parking place right in front on my ninth time around. (laughs) Oh, it's God. What does it say? God will never tempt you to sin. But now James describes, and I'm going to get right to this and and close out today. James describes four levels or four stages of any temptation. Really, it's the anatomy of a temptation. And and he begins with the bait. Here it is. This is James 1. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Enticed means the bait. Now, when I lived in East Texas, I became very good at bass fishing. Because everybody bass fished. There wasn't anything else to do. So you either played dominoes or you bass fished. And so I got a boat and I learned how to bass fish. Now here's what I learned. A good fisherman is a good deceiver. What you really want to do is become very good at deceiving fish. So you, I spent hours in Walmart picking out this lure, that lure, this rod, that rod, all kinds of things that would help me. And I learned... I learned to get on that lake and now the lure is on the top. I learned to go make it jerk and twist and look real. And what I'm hoping is, I hope that bass is stupid today. (laughs) Because I just want him to hit it. If he'll just hit it, I got him. And my whole intent was to lure him into biting something that would take away his life. Oh, I had a plan for that bass. Yep, my live well and then my table. And so I learned how to play that bait in hopes the bass would hit it. And I learned how to do it. Satan's the same way every day. He will throw something your way. He'll, he'll cast it. And it comes before you and he, you go, it is good for me. That is something I should do. God will understand. I'm going for it. That's the bait stage. The bait stage. Temptation begins with the bait. He puts it right in front of you and he's a pro at it. He's a pro fisherman. It's worked for all these thousands of years and he still uses it today. He throws bait right in front of you and he knows exactly what will appeal to you. He knows exactly what will go for your brain, your flesh, your past. Where he got you in the past, he'll try to get you now. Now the first stage, the temptation stage, I got to throw this in, is the best time to beat the temptation. 
Because you, you haven't bitten yet. You haven't gone for it yet. You're just looking at the bait. It's dangled in front of you. And, and the devil is saying, come on, try that drug. Try that alcohol. Try that illicit relationship. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. But see, until you bite it, you, you have your maximum strength. You, you have greater control. You have your wits about you still. Because now it's just bait. And to be tempted is not a sin. The bait is not a sin. It's the bite. It is the sin. So the best time to win it is, is, the, is the bait stage, the first stage. That's when you win. That's when you get control of it. That's when, listen, Paul said, here's an example. He said, flee fornication. Flee it. Now, you know what that, in the, in the original language, is powerful. That word literally means run as if in terror from that bait. Because you know what it will do. You know the consequences. You know where it will end up. You know it, where it will leave you. And so he says, run from it. Run from it. Take the nearest exit door. Don't debate with it. Don't linger with it. Don't entertain it. Notice when Jesus was tempted, he didn't say, now Satan, let's sit down and talk about this. What you're offering me. No, Jesus said it is written and he ended it. He ended it. He ended it in the bait stage. Everybody with me today? The bait stage. So get out while the getting is good. The Bible promises. No temptation has taken you, but such as a common man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will, with the temptation, give you an exit door. He'll give you an exit door. He'll give you an exit door. So that you can escape and bear it. So the minute bait comes in front of you, you can know also there's an exit door God has already opened up. And you take it and you run from it. You flee from it. You close that computer. You turn off that TV. You leave the presence of that person. You walk, you run from that drug. Avoid the scene of temptation. Do you know that 80% of beating temptation is simply avoiding the scene of it? I'm talking to somebody today. I think I'm talking to everybody today. Y'all are quiet. You must be thinking. And take it then. Get out then. Take God's exit door then. Because the next stage is harder to get out of. He says, then after desire has conceived. That's the second stage. That's the hook. When desire conceives, it means you've gone with it. Matter of fact, conceive here is a, is a pregnancy word. It's a, it's a birthing word. It's literally telling us that if we accept this temptation and receive it and dwell on it and mull over it and agree with it, we become pregnant with it. And that's the same as the fish biting the hook. Because when he bites the hook, he's no longer his own. He can't go where he wants to go because you're pulling him. You many people wake up and they're pulled by something. Pulled by something. They don't go where they want to go, do what they want to do, because they're being pulled by something. They bit a bait, and now that bait is pulling them drawing them, controlling them. 
Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I think today I'll go ruin my life. Yeah, I think I'll just go ruin my life. And I'm going to try that drug. Or I'm going to get involved in that relationship. And I'm just going to, I think I'll just go ruin my life. Nobody thinks that. That's why you got to be smart with the bait. Because if you bite the bait, it's conceived. And, and so it's a temptation looking for an opportunity. Because you've already said, yep, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do it as soon as I have the opportunity. How many of you know the devil will sure give you the opportunity? Oh, yeah. And rest assured, if you don't repent of it at this point, it will be born because James says next it'll give birth, birth, birth. The conception gives birth to sin. This is the stage of temptation where it becomes an action. You, want, you go ahead and follow, you, you follow through. The, the, the opportunity affords itself and you follow through. It becomes a reality, it's born. And the final fourth stage is the reaping. And that's what the devil doesn't want to tell you about. Sin, when it's full grown, completed, fully carried out, gives birth to death. First the bait, then the hook, then the fall, then the consequences. That's the anatomy of a temptation. So again, I say to you today, and the Bible says to us today, the best time to, to beat it is at the very start. Right? There's a proverb that says, My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't go with them. Better be alone and right with God than to be surrounded by people living in sin. Come on, everybody. Now, let me give you some good news. The good news is God will help you in the hour of temptation. He's for you. He's pulling for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? He's on your side. He's empathizing. He's reaching out. He's pouring out his compassion. Amen. God will help you. He will, he's faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. He, he, he watches the very moment the devil casts that bait in front of you. He watches. He says God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we learn, where's the exit door? There it is. If there's no door, I'm going to make a window. I'm getting out. Amen? The Holy Spirit will strengthen you. That's the second good news. The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. I want you to know, the greatest winner of all time, the Lord Jesus Christ, champion of champions, Lord of lords, King of kings, defeater of Satan, risen from the dead, sent His Spirit inside of you, and He is greater than the tempter who is in the world. And He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will lift you up pick you up, make you able to do what you could never do on your own. And here's the really good news. If you do fall into sin, He will forgive you. He will forgive you. The devil, he'll come to you and say, there you go, messing up again. Why don't you just give up on this Christian stuff and walk away and quit this silly fighting? The devil's a liar. He's a liar. He wants to exploit your weakness 
Don't let him do it, but go straight to the cross, straight to the Christ, straight to the blood and say, Lord, forgive me. If we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. So that's the good thing about temptation is, yes, there's victory over it. But even if you do fall, the Lord forgives. It says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. He gets up again. I remember as a kid, I had one of those Bozo the Clowns and you would hit him. And he'd bounce right back up. You'd hit him. He'd bounce right back up. That's Christians. The devil hits them. They bounce right back up. They bounce right back up. Because you can't keep a Christian down because the resurrection and the life lives in them. I want you to stand with me and I want to look at one last verse. Here's the promise of God. Let's look at it. I want you to read this with me. He who serves the Lord will stand. How? Why? For the Lord is able to make him stand. Amen. Greater is he that is in you. The Lord is able to make him stand. So I want you to know today, please, dear friend, hear me. If you've been defeated and defeated and defeated, there is victory over temptation. And even if you fall, there is forgiveness. Never, never believe the lie that failure is fatal or final. It's not. It's only fatal or final if you quit. If you don't quit, failure is not fatal and it's not final. Amen? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, I just pray for this congregation right now. Lord, there's people battling some terrifically with some temptation. There are those here and those watching online who feel condemned. Maybe that's why they're not even in church. You feel condemned. The devil has told you, you keep messing up so bad. Who are you to go to church? Listen, everybody in here messes up from time to time. So don't let that keep you away from church. But you're frustrated, you're discouraged. That, that one weakness keeps taking you down. And I want you to know the Bible, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible just said, God is able to make you stand. So I pray today, Lord, for everyone here. Lord, we're in a battle. We're in a vicious, ferocious, real-life battle with the enemy of our soul who wants to take our testimony, who wants us to quit, who wants us to walk away from our destiny and our calling because of temptation and failure in it. Lord, I pray, make them stand. Make all of us stand. Stand us up. Breathe fresh life, fresh fire, fresh power, fresh vision, fresh hope. And we thank you for it right now. Lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I receive this. I receive your encouragement. I receive your victory. I'm more than a conqueror 
through Him who loved me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord praise today. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm not an ear tickler. I've never been an ear tickler. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Because I know that we're in a real battle. And I'm not going to get up here and give you a bunch of fluff. Um, where you are not equipped to win. Because I know that as soon as you walk out the door, the world, the flesh, and the devil are waiting. In my position, I deal with um, people who are in tragedies because of temptation all the time, regularly. This week, um, long-term member of our church, got a call you never want to get early in the morning. And he was told that his son had been shot and was comatose in the hospital. Shot in the head. Drug deal. Drugs were involved. I can tell you, the fastest path to hell is drugs. The fastest path to hell. You're not missing nothing if you never touch it. No, you're smart. Because it was involving uh, meth, 29 years old. And a few days later, he passed. And what, you know, I wish, and I'll do a memorial, but I, I want to tell you, I've done so many of those from temptation, given into. You think he woke up that day and said, I think today's my last? No. That's why you can't open a door. No, be wise. Be wise. Amen? Don't care anything if they, well, they're straight-laced. They don't party. They don't have any fun. Who cares what they think? You won't know them five years from now. So I preach this way because we need to learn to win. And, and that there is a hook. And the devil does have a plan. It's to get you into the boat into the live well and take your life. Can it happen to Christians? You better believe it can happen to Christians. You can make a wrong decision and go that way. Don't even do it once. I've buried people already from fentanyl. This hellacious thing coming across our border. This drug. It's... It, be smart, Christian. Be wise. And let the Lord carry you in victory. Because you don't ever need that stuff. People say to me, do you drink, Pastor? No, I don't drink. Why? Because I got a wine you don't know of. That's right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I get up every day and I, I get my wine. It's the Holy Ghost in power and it's keeping me alive. And the Word of God. Amen? Come on, young people. Amen?
I didn't mean to go into all that, but it was a hard week. And I want you to know, um, it was a tough week seeing that and um, dealing with the family, brokenhearted. So I love you in Christ. I love you in the Lord. And if you come here, you're going to get the word of God straight up. And and, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth because I want us to win and I want us to win the world. I want us to win the world. Amen? All right. I need some prayers to come down. Would you please, prayers, come down. And if you need prayer today as we leave, we already prayed for a bunch of people on the altar, but maybe you need prayer again or prayer for the first time. You say, maybe you need to take their hand and say, I'm really in a battle and I need the Lord to help me, help me with this hour of temptation. And he will help you. Amen. Wednesday night, we're going through 1 Peter. I want to encourage you to come. I, put, I probably put a little bit more study into Wednesday night than I do Sunday morning. Wednesday night is a full-blown service. And it's as important as Sunday. So if you can come Wednesday night, we'd love to have you. We're teaching the Bible. Everybody that comes and is blessed, say amen. 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 So we're looking for you. All right, let me pray for you as we get ready to go. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, bless the people as we go. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the victory over temptation. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to conquer. Thank you, Lord, for carrying us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now I'm going to count to three, and I want you to count with me. And we're going to shout victory in Jesus. And I want you to shout it with me. Are you ready? One. Two, three. Amen. Have a good week. God bless you.